Welcome. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome. This is the CX Energy Boost podcast. And I'm here with Zanna van der A, 20 plus years experience in customer experience. Yes, <laughs> surprisingly so. Yeah. <laughs> and my partner in crime is Miranda. And we've been working together for over eight years, changing the world. And she's been a CX professional already for 15 years. And today we talk about behavior change with tiny habits and nudging. Yes. Super interesting. But first, a personal question to get, you know, ah, get yes. to know you a little bit better. <laughs> yes. Favorite type of weather? Favorite type of weather. That's very easy. Um, sunny with ideally, I would say, okay, if I'm not at the beach, 23 degrees. If I'm at the beach, 25, 26 degrees. <laughs> it's really specific. Yes, it's really sp- because it should not be too hot. Yeah. So, uh, but ideally also at the beach or at the pool, also nice, sunny weather. 23, 25 degrees and I'm super happy. So we're moving in the right direction. Exactly. I'm now <laughs> looking outside and the sun is shining in our garden. So yeah. that brightens up my day for sure. It's really nice. Yes. All right. <laughs> let's talk about behavior change. Um, let's just start, right? Yes. You go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we thought what might be helpful um, for the next podcast is that we start by saying, okay, where am I in my CX transformation journey? Yeah, good one. So we've you probably mapped the journey. You found the drivers. And then you get to the stage of, okay, I want to improve. And improving often has to do with changing behaviors. And so this part is after you've done the research, you map the journey and you want to mobilize the whole organization. Yeah. And um, for me, so behavior change, I mean, there are 10,000 books on behavior change. But two uh, books that I've read, I think, are really practical and um, energizing with scientific background. So your two holy Bibles? Exactly. The two holy Bibles are uh, Tiny Habits from B.J. Fogg. Yeah. And so B.J. Fogg is a Stanford professor. So he has done research on how to effectively change behaviors. And I'll explain his model in more detail. Mm-hmm. And Atomics, Atomic Habits from James Clear is... So he's not, let's say, the scientist... But he's the one, uh, let's say his best self, is how to um, how to write about all the insights. So he's using the insights from Tiny Habits, yeah. but also other sources. So cool. I think both books are, uh, are interesting and uh, complement each other. How did you find these books? So I think <laughs> it was um, the summer of, not 69. <laughs> it was in COVID times. So I think it was summer of 21. Mm-hmm. And I've had a long dream of learning Spanish. So I thought, okay, I'm going to... In Dutch, you have this institute, famous institute, where you can learn uh, foreign languages. It's called De Nonnen van Vught, or The Nuns of Vught. Vught is a location in the south of the Netherlands. Uh, And it was an institute that was started in World War II by nuns. Now there is no living (laughs) living nun there anymore. (laughs) Um, And then you can go internally for, uh, for a week. So I did two weeks of Spanish, and in November of that year, I had a workshop with, back then it was Ransat Argentina, mm-hmm. so I thought it would be super cool to do five minutes fluent introduction in really? Spanish. Really? So nice. 
So I started by think- thinking, okay, so I wrote down this introduction and then I thought, okay, every evening I just do 30 minutes of practicing and then I'll get there. So week one, excelente, <laughs> ningún problema. <laughs> Cada noche, I was practicing Spanish. Week two, maybe four <laughs> days a week. Week three, I didn't do anything. And that's when the universe brought me tiny habits. Cool. So before I explain how I use tiny habits, let me explain the theory behind tiny yeah. habits. So um, what he discovered are that there are actually three key elements to successfully changing behaviors. So we tend to um, to overestimate the impact of motivation. So when you want to eat more healthy or you want to exercise more, you start and after a few weeks when you're not successful, you're sort of beating yourself up over it. Oh, Zana, you're not motivated enough. Blah, blah, blah. The good news is that motivation is only one part. And of course, yes, it helps. If you're more motivated, you enhance your chances. But there are two other elements that you can design. That's the good news. Yeah. So motivation is one. The second is what he calls ability. And that actually means is how easy do you make it for yourself to do your new behavior? Let's say if I want to eat more uh, healthy, I mentioned in one of the other podcasts that I like pizza, <laughs> then maybe if I want to eat less pizza, it would be helpful if I don't stuff my fridge full of frozen pizza. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> so I can design it. Maybe delete yeah. the app on my phone to order pizza. <laughs> As you can design your environment. Another example is if you want to read more, if you put your book on your pillow whenever you get up in the morning, that when you go back to bed, you see, ah, yes. I see the book. I want to read more. Yeah. So you can design it. That's the that's the good part. And there's sort of this line where uh, in his model where you say, okay, if it's an X level of motivation plus ability, everything above that level you'll be successful. Everything beneath the level, don't even try it. And the example I tend to use is, for example, let's say you get a request from the Red Cross, you want to donate money. And they send you an SMS or a WhatsApp, and you can donate money by just responding to the WhatsApp. Yeah, I, I think we're now going into this UX design, right? What's in another podcast as well? Um, well, I think, yeah, especially on the digital side, I think like nudging is also definitely connected to uh, to how can you use all the digital tools to make sure that you do the, uh, the right behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, Sorry, the form. Uh, the the one button I can donate. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I was completely lost in my story. <laughs> Red Cross. So Red Cross, uh, so super easy, right? If I can respond yeah. to WhatsApp, I will donate money. Yeah. Let's say that same Red Cross sends me an email with a PDF. I need to print it out, fill it out, walk to the post office, send it back. Mm. I'm not going to donate money. Yeah. So there's a balance, right? But the key is... It's not just motivation you can design to enhance behaviors. So that's uh, one and two. One, motivation. Two, ability. And then the third one is well, triggers or nudges or what he calls prompts. Yeah. And that we as humans, we tend to overestimate our own brain. <laughs> we think we have superpowers mm-hmm. and we think, ah, oh, yeah, I will remember to eat more healthy. Mm -mm. I will remember to exercise more. Mm -mm. Not the best strategy. Um, Then the option, of course, is you can set alerts, right? You can set an alert on your phone to not forget, I don't know, to drink water. But with all the bleeps of social media and email, 
you are also overwhelmed in those kind of triggers. Yeah, it's too much, right? Exactly, it's too much. So what did he discover? He discovered that the best nudge, the best trigger for new behaviors is an existing behavior, an existing routine. For example, if you are already, without even thinking about brushing your teeth every evening, then you can use that as a trigger to connect new behaviors. Let's say you want to be more fit. Then you could say, okay, my tiny habit is um, after I brush my teeth, I do, I don't know, three push-ups or I do three squats. But you connect it to your brushing teeth routine. So now whenever you brush your teeth, you're automatically triggered. Ah, yeah, I should not forget to do my push-ups. And you make it really um, small, right? So you don't do a whole workout of 10 squats and 10 push-ups and... Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You can also start with one squat and one push-up. And the the funny story that he mentioned in his book is that when you want to start running the marathon, uh, don't start by every evening running for an hour. uh, You will uh, die, maybe, (laughs) in a week. But he says start with... um, The first routine is that every morning you place your running shoes near the door, near the front door. And whenever that is a routine that you don't forget anymore... Then you start, okay, I'm going to do 15-minute walk around the block. And only when that has become a routine. Uh, so you start extending your habit, but only when the, the new habit has become a routine. Yeah. So you can also use that the other way around. That whenever you feel, oops, I forgot to do it, then you can analyze. Then probably either your habit is too big or you did not connect it to the correct routine. And maybe you need to connect it to another moment in your day. Yeah. So those are the three, uh, that's the three, uh, the theory behind tiny habits. And do, do we know how much time it takes to um, build this new habits? So yeah. how many days do I have to put my shoes at the door? <laughs> yeah, I think there there's, are different theories. Uh, so he's not mentioning that specifically, but the one that I remember is that somebody said, if you do something 66 days. Yeah, I remember that as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there are a lot of uh, wives complaining about the husband that even after 66 days, they're still not taking out the garbage. <laughs> So I think that has already been disclaimed, but that's the only thing I know. I, he, uh, If I remember correctly, he doesn't specifically say how long it takes. Okay. So the girls, 66 days, the guys, a little more. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's on you. That's not on me. <laughs> I was just getting right. <laughs> um, so so that's the theory. Yeah. So then uh, I started thinking, okay, so I, I was in the process of learning Spanish. I had already, uh, I was not successful in doing it 30 minutes every day. Then, ha-ha, I found the tiny habits. <laughs> uh, and when I read something and I'm excited about it, I'm still also a bit sort skeptical. of... Skeptical. Is it actually going to work? So I like to experiment with it myself. Yeah. So I said, okay, I have tiny habits and I want to learn Spanish. More specifically, I want to prep a five-minute five minute introduction. So I created three tiny habits. So one is, so I uh, I have uh, pumpkin soup for breakfast. <laughs> That's a side note for another time, the why behind <laughs> that. So uh, my first tiny habit is whenever I put my pumpkin soup on the table to have breakfast, I write down one sentence on a post-it note. And oh yeah, what I forgot to mention, the third element of behavior change is that you need to 
validate and celebrate your own brain a lot. <laughs> it's an important part, right? Yes. Yeah. So whenever you do a new behavior, you need to celebrate some way of a sort of a being proud of yourself. I don't know. We had a lot of workshops where people said, I'm going to drink champagne or have coffee. <laughs> if you have tiny habits during the day a lot, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the best strategy. You're drunk 24-7. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so it could also be just, you know, uh, affirmation. Hey, you know, good job or I'm proud yeah. of me. Or um, So um, I put the pumpkin soup on the table, write down the, po- write down the post-it notes, and I don't know, I, I, I say bum or something like that. Then my second tiny habit is whenever I get up to put my bowl in the sink, I paste that post-it note on the bathroom wall. And I say, Muy bien, Zana. Because I'm learning Spanish. (laughs) (laughs) And then my third and final um, tiny habit is whenever I... Because this is at home, Mm -hmm. right? I'm not sure if you should put post-it notes in your (laughs) work bathrooms. (laughs) So whenever I go to the bathroom, I, um, I say that sentence three times out loud. And then I say to myself, which means I'm proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) And these three tiny habits, which if you are paying attention, did not cost me any extra time out of my day. No. But yes, I was able to six months later have a fluent introduction. Super cool. In Spanish. And I think six months after that, I did a two hour inspiration session in in, in Spanish. So... So my conclusion was... It works. It works, yeah. exactly. And how does it work with, with the first one, with the five minutes? Because people think you can speak Spanish really good. <laughs> and they are going to ask a lot of questions in Spanish. And you're there like, what? <laughs> yes. And then I say... Si, hablo un poco español, pero no entiendo todo. And then you go to English. <laughs> then we switch back to English. <laughs> nice. So we really yes. know it works. Yes. Uh, how do you use it in a transformation program? So the way that we've been using it is, so you've done the journey mapping, you found the drivers, and then you get to a stage where you want to create a lot of volunteers that are willing to experiment. Um, but they are struggling. Okay, but what can I do? So how can I give more personal attention? So what we used to do is that we did a workshop and we did brainstorm sessions. But what we see is that in brainstorm sessions, uh, two key challenges. One is stay super vague often because people find it really difficult to translate it into their daily work. Mm -hmm. But also you often get a list of, hey, we need to improve the website. We need to improve the app. So we decided um, that we uh, would translate the drivers uh, and create tiny habits based on drivers. Yeah. And uh, then you create a menu of, let's say, 10 experiments for different roles. And uh, you create a campaign. So, I don't know, 20% of the people says, yes, I want to participate. And you facilitate them. They they choose one experiment from the menu for four to six weeks. You uh, They experiment with it. And then you get feedback and you learn from it. Yeah. And then what we the feedback that we got is that it... it um, it makes it really tangible, but also you're creating sort of best practices. And so also for onboardings, you could say, hey, this menu is something that I'll be sharing when new colleagues are joining us. And so when you are um, when you're creating this menu, make sure as step one is to see, okay, what type of roles do I have in my organization? Do I have, I don't know, mainly call center agents or do I have account managers and... Um, I don't know, mechanics and etc. 
because you want to customize your menu for each role. Yeah. So if you have three different roles, you want to have three times 10 experiments. And you can make the first, um, let's say the first draft of the menu. And then you plan sessions to finalize, to co-create them. So you make a, you create 10 draft or 15 draft experiments. Then what we do is you plan one hour session with, let's say, three representatives of, for example, the account managers. And we ask them to give their feedback on the experiments, but also to just think, hey, if, if personal attention is relevant, what just pops up in your head? Yeah. And then we say to them, don't worry about whether it's in the right format. We'll... Uh, we'll process that afterwards. So for one hour, you discuss, you have some some brain dumps, and they give feedback on the experiments. Then you can make the final version. You send it for a final review. So you have a really efficient, impactful way to pretty fast come up with your 10 ideal experiments. Yeah. <clears throat> you do that for the different roles. Uh, and then you create, you know, also we like to work with physical, a physical version, not just digital, because everything is digital. Sometimes it's really nice to have a physical yeah, of course. thing. Hard copy book, booklet. Exactly, a yeah. booklet or you know something that they can put on their desk yeah, and a format that really works well. Uh, and then they can start. Uh, we do a, a short kickoff. Uh, so we run the campaign and at least you know 10 or 20% of the people said, hey, we want to join. And they, they say they want to join because it's fun to join, right? You choose a team, you make it fun, you make them part of a community. Definitely. So I, I think the reason why, because we tend to say we want at least 10%, and then often the companies say, but what if what if you don't make the 10%? I say, that has never been an issue. Yeah. <laughs> it's often 20, 30% of the people that want to join. Uh, because yes, it's a lot of fun. Um, which I think is a big part, but it's also, um, as we mentioned, I think in one of the other podcasts, CX and EX are so well connected because the number one thing that makes customers happy is almost always connected to the purpose of the employees. And almost everybody wants to create happy, uh, happy customers. And then they feel it's fun. It's making customers happy. But also I think one of the feedbacks uh, that we received is it's, it's uh, it's made the you know the vague thing experience and research super super concrete in actions yeah um and then they and so you have the, the campaign so they uh, they sign up you do a short kickoff explaining for example the tiny habits and you do this theory. with uh, 10 or 20 or 30 percent exactly but isn't that too uh, is that group uh, not too small don't you want to have the hundred uh, percent in the end yes so what we see is you want to start because you're also experimenting, right? You're testing whether this works in your organization. Yeah. That's one part. Um, and what you do, so the campaign, of course, is for everyone. Uh, you've shared results with everyone. Yeah. Then people sign up. And also the uh, results of the experimentation you share with everyone. So sometimes people also ask, hey, but you know, if only 10% of the people are joining, how can we ever impact satisfaction? Well, we've seen it every time. You're impacting satisfaction because it's not just the 10 or 20%. All the others are also influenced because they saw the introduction. They saw uh, the results. So you're together enhancing this mindset. Yeah. So I think often it's underestimated what the impact is of just being aware of, you know, getting communication that personal attention is relevant. I know we keep mentioning personal attention, but it's just an easy example. <laughs> Sometimes you also find other drivers. 
Um, so as we've seen an increase, you know, from, I don't know, 8.1 to 8.4, from 7.7 to 8.8. So It's I, crazy, right? Yeah. In three months' time. Yeah. Yeah. So you, um, uh, you start with the kickoff and then the experiment for like six weeks. Yeah. And during that six weeks, that's linked to nudging. Yeah. So because, of course, everybody's crazy busy, so everybody's super excited, and then they go back to the daily craziness. Yeah. Um, so to prevent them from forgetting their experiment, during those six weeks, we nudge them. What do we mean? We're just saying uh, sending twice a week an email, just super short, fun email, like, for example, hey, Miranda, it's now 5 p.m. Wouldn't it be nice to end the day with making a client happy? Um, or, for example, another... Um, another experiment that they could do. Uh, so just really short email. And of course, not everybody will read the emails, but just having twice a week an email in your inbox with a subject line and I know, let's say a sender with CX in the name yeah. is already, oh yeah, shit. <laughs> I should not forget <laughs> to do my experiment. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end of the weeks, we ask them, hey, just share your feedback. And in essence, we use three questions. Uh, did this experiment make your work easier, more fun, more valuable, more fulfilling? Did you get some feedback from customers that you didn't get before? Um, and the final question, would you recommend this specific hack also for your colleagues to use? Yeah. And that's how you are. Maybe you had a set of, if you had f uh, three different roles of 30 experiments, and then you could see, hey, um, let's say, I don't know, 21 of these 30 are recommended. So you're really creating the best practices and... If new colleagues are onboarded, hey, you have this you know, set that you can use for them. Or in your onboarding, you can ask what are three experiments that you would want to add. And you can keep this database of you know, good behaviors alive. Yeah, super cool. Yes. Nice. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, um, we talk about uh, the campaign more in the next podcast, right? Uh, yeah. To really get uh, in the details. Um, but for now, um, when you um, uh, think of this uh, tiny habits, what's important when you want to implement it in your organization? I think the, the key, the really most important thing is that you connect it to the daily work. And uh, daily work and daily routines. Yeah. And I think what a lot of people, so when I say routines, also a lot of people struggle. Okay, but what routines do I have? And I like to use the example, if you want to be more fit, uh, just count the number of times that you start or end a Zoom call or you start or end a Google eh, a video call. If you would create a hack that said, okay, uh, sorry, uh, an experiment. <laughs> if you would say, okay, after I end a Zoom call, I do one squat. I say we will all be super fit across the world, <laughs> super fast. <laughs> yeah. You go to the coffee machine uh, you check your phone 20 times a day. Uh, an experiment could be whenever I check my phone, I think for two seconds, okay, how can I do X, Y, Z? I think that's a good one because we are really checking our phones a lot, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or whenever I pick up the phone, I need to select at least one customer that I'm going to call today to, I don't know, just check in. What can I do for you? Yeah. And, you know, my creative brain, if you continue, I have like 100 <laughs> examples that you can do. You can call Sana for this. Yes, no, no worries. <laughs> and I think also important is to include uh, direction and uh, directors and management, right? Yeah. So, so when we started, we made the menu for, let's say, the employee level. But then when I was thinking more about it and it really worked well, what, what happens is when 
uh, when the leadership starts seeing the value of customer experience. Uh, often, customer experience professionals are sort of complaining, but hey, they're not. I know they're not leading by example. And what we tend to see is that not that they're not willing, but they're just really sincerely asking, hey, but you know, what can I do? Just help me, and I'm happy to do it. So we said, okay, let's also create a menu for leaders. And for one company, we did it for just the team leaders, five experiments. Uh, for example, um, every day at the end of the day, I check in with my team. Hey, how are you doing with your experiments? Or for example, for maybe directors, um, every day I check in with one employee and I ask them, hey, what can I do to make sure you're more your best self? Also there, make it really concrete. Um, you're probably having, I don't know, daily or weekly meetings what if every meeting you start with five minutes asking, hey, who is doing which experiment and how is it going? And so also there you can make it really, really, really tangible. Yeah. Also small again, so don't start planning separate meetings to talk about customers. No, I have a one hour session. Okay, how can we spend the first two or five minutes on that topic? Yeah. So also there talking about customers becomes a routine in all your existing communication all your existing trainings and all your existing meetings nice Bruch. <laughs> <laughs> and of course we can talk about uh behavioral change for hours and hours yes but um something more on this topic tiny habits nudging no i think uh i think it's a wrap then that's it for now all right see you next time adios <laughs>